Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the fourth episode of Celebration of Cinema, or Celebrate Our Cinemas if you prefer, a brand new limited edition series of podcasts brought to you by Empire in association with those fine and funky folks at Meerkat Movies from Compare the Market. The goal of the show is simple. Each week I interview someone from the world of film about the movies and the movie-going experiences that shaped them. What was the film that lit a fire under the cinematic backsides? What film made them laugh the most, cry the most, or scared the bejesus out of them the most? What's their favourite cinema in the whole wide world? And perhaps, most important of all, what's their movie snack of choice? And this is all in service, of course, of celebrating the simple act of going to the cinema, which, I don't know about you folks, I will never take for granted again. This week, I am honoured to be joined by one of the finest and funniest people I know, Mr. Simon Pegg. You'll know him, of course, as the star of the Cornetto trilogy of films, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and The World's End, which he also co-wrote with their director, Edgar Wright. But he's also starred as Scotty in the modern Star Trek movies, Benji Dunn in the Mission Impossible franchise, and much, much more. He's an actor, he's a writer, and a dyed-in-the-wool film geek who grew up on a diet of cinema. And other actual food, too. You can't survive on cinema. That's just fanciful nonsense. He's been shooting Mission Impossible 7 for a while now and recently also moved on to shooting a new TV series, The Undeclared War. But he was kind enough to take a break from that and jump onto Squadcast with me the other week for a good old in-depth matter about movies, including recollections of what it's like to watch his own films on the big screen and that time he nearly killed Johnny Knoxville. As always with Simon, a good time was had by all, and I hope that you guys enjoy it. A quick note though, Simon's AirPods nearly died during this interview, literally. Not kidding, one fell out of a window when he went to shut it and plummeted three stories. Turns out though, those things are pretty hardy and robust, and so we carried on, but that is why his sound changes about halfway through the interview, in case you were wondering. Okay, that's enough of me. Here is Simon Pegg. Do please enjoy. We're delighted to be joined on this very special Celebration of Cinema podcast by the one, the only, Mr. Simon Pegg. How are you, sir? I'm very well. Very well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for for joining us, taking time out from your your busy schedule. Um, You are, can we say whether you're on your own Mission Impossible 7 duty at the moment? Are you climbing anything at the moment? Are you being shot at? Are you running around? What's happening? I am on Mission Impossible 7 indefinitely. Um, <laughs> I don't I think, think I'm going to be on eight. I'm not going to be in eight because I'll still be shooting seven, um, <laughs> even when they're shooting eight. Yeah, no, I, I am, and um, you know, it's been we've been buffeted by circumstance on this one. Um, not least, well, the pandemic mainly. It's, it's caused a lot of sort of um, you know um, hiccups and headaches. But we've kind of set the bar on how to deal, how to film in this situation. That's all down to Tom. You know, he's just been putting fires out and talking to governments and all sorts of crazy stuff. So despite the setbacks that we have had, you know, we, we made a pretty damn good job of it. Uh, uh, it's, and it's going to be ex- insane. It's just going to be insane. It's been wild. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to see the featurette, which I still don't think is out yet. Uh, of oh, this Tom. is real. Yeah. Of Tom doing that incredible the jump. jump one. Yeah. yeah, there's two. He kept, he literally... I, I saw him on Sunday. He came out to my house on Sunday, and, and I haven't seen him for a little while. And then he said, uh, "Oh, you haven't seen the new sizzle reel?" 
there's a new sizzle reel and it's kind of like all footage from the film cut together it's it and it's lawn balls written music especially for this reel and it's kind of to show i guess show distributors and stuff get them amped up he said oh i'll bring it around tomorrow night after work and we'll watch it and um so that so the following night he landed his fucking helicopter in my garden <laughs> Who came out with a thumb drive? I got it. <laughs> he's so keen. At least he's doing that. Usually, he just crashes through your your ceiling, doesn't he? He just crashes through yeah. the roof, and we've, yeah, we've taught him to just to land it now, as opposed to crash it on a mountain. <laughs> There's every chance he might just slowly slowly lower himself into this interview just behind you, and who knows? Who knows? It, it could so, happen. He's living there. <laughs> he li- he's, he's living there by me at the moment, which is why he's able to, you know. Landed chopper in my pro- my property. Is he in the shed like Ed? Is that where he was? Yeah, I keep him. I keep him tethered to a PS Five. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I bring up uh, Mission Seven is because I think that is going to be a film specifically designed to get people back into cinemas and reconnecting with cinemas again, because obviously we, we've been deprived to a great extent of that experience uh, during the pandemic. And what's it been yeah. like for you? I know you've been working an awful lot during it, but. Yeah, have you been able to keep that cinema going experience alive? Have you missed it? I have missed it, yeah. And I've missed the what I miss about the the cinema going experience is the sort of community of it. You know, I, I I'm lucky enough to have a little screening room of my own that I've built, which is pretty nice and 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 has a, the vibe of a cinema. But it's not going and you know buying your ticket and buying snacks and sitting with lots of strangers and and having a communal experience you know which is which is the, the real crux of what cinema is it's a shared communal experience and I, so when i have been to the cinema even in the last two years to see what did i get to see i saw tenet and i saw uh nobody i saw in the heights and uh i think that's it really mm. i want to get back to those rooms that are just oh i saw oh i can't say what i saw because <laughs> i signed an nda um <laughs> But yeah, it's lovely to see things on that big screen again. But I want to have that coupled with the other the other facet of cinema going, which is being with other people. Yeah, getting that, that experience, you know, when uh, laughter's infectious, scares are infectious. Yeah, tear. You know, it's a good kind of infectious. That's what we like. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of pandemic we want. A pandemic is <laughs> <Yeah, for> fun. <laughs> a fundemic, if you will. <laughs> there it is. Have you thought? Have you thought about? You know, turning your own private screen room into a a kind of cinema and having that full cinematic experience of, you know, charging your family members a sort of <laughs> fee every month to come and see stuff. And we did have all the neighbours around to watch the finals of the Euros, actually, <laughs> because we we we'd um, we sort of we were fairly bubbled and vaccinated, so we uh, yeah. we, we had we filled all the seats and had uh, a little party in there. But um, it's mainly just me and my daughter go in there and watch. Horror movies. Oh wow, yeah. that's the dream. That's the dream. Uh, well, let's take you back. I'm gonna I'm gonna start off by taking you back uh, through to the dim and distant days of of the past and uh, the cinema and the film, if you can remember them, that made you fall in love with with cinema. Going, what was your what was your cinema growing up? What was your local? My local was the ABC in uh, St Aldate Street, Gloucester. Don't look for mm-hmm. it; it's not there anymore. It's now a, a restaurant or something. And I name I named my little screening room the ABC as well, just in honor of it. Oh, and did this the color scheme the same? It was a, a sort of three a three screener, and uh, I saw all my formative movies there. The first movie I remember going to see is Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, which I went to see with my dad, 
uh, we lived on the same street as the cinema. So I remember dad and I just came out of our, we had a music shop. So we came out the door of the shop, walked down 10 doors to the ABC and went and saw, you know, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, which, which was a, an amazing spectacle. It was Ray Harryhausen and, you know, it was monsters and, and, and fantasy and all the things that would become my, you know, my wheelhouse. And yeah. it was, um, yeah. And I, I think I was probably five, you know, so that, I, I was really young. And uh, yeah, because I, I remember the same experience, you know, going to see things like Superman 3 and being <laughs> utterly terrified by Superman 3. It's scary, that bit when she becomes a robot. Yeah, don't be, absolutely. Don't be ashamed of that. <laughs> but I was talking about all the Robert Fawn stuff. That's just, that's just scary in general. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, it is. I mean, that, that really, really freaked me out. But I remember, it's just there's something about going as a kid and just stocking up in sweets and just... Not sometimes even necessarily knowing what film you're going to go see, but you just become immersed oh, yeah. in whatever they anything. show. The Pearl and Dean um, music, which they've started reusing again now, is still very much a, is a trigger for me when I hear it. I just get that feeling of being in that big room and it smelled a certain way and it, it felt a certain way. And I think in those days people smoked in the cinema as well. So you even see like smoke in the projector uh, stream. But... I saw a lot of films with my nan, Pete's Dragon, The Wilderness Family, the the, the Disney movies with with like Kurt Russell, the the strongest man in the world, and Digby, the biggest dog in the world, and yeah, I saw a lot of those movies at this that same cinema. And then, of course, you know, by the time I got to eight, then it was Star Wars and Superman and Indiana Jones and all those films that I saw there too. Mm. Do you remember? Do you remember your first uh, Star Wars experience? I remember coming out. I, do, I, I remember buying a poster at the kiosk afterwards and running up the road pretending it was a blaster and being <laughs> and having that amazing experience of going in when it's light. With, you know, we went in the afternoon and coming out and it was dark mm. and um, and the sky, you know, just the, the space was above me and, 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 and having felt like something had shifted entirely, something amazing had just happened to me. I'd seen something which moved me on such a, you know, a sort of molecular level as, as has been demonstrated throughout my life ever since, you know, it kind yeah. of like, it, I felt changed and um, inspired and in love, you know. So the, it's the ABC in Gloucester. Mm. Uh, so that starts you off, but you've seen films, I presume, all over the world. So do you have yes. a favorite cinema? Is there, is there one that stands out? doesn't have to be in London, of course. Yeah, I mean, I love the, obviously the Cinerama Dome in LA is, is such a, mm -hmm. uh, you know, an amazing screen. And sadly, it looks like it might be shutting down unless some, you know, mm -hmm. nice movie making benefactor buys it. Um, Quentin, looking at you. Um, <laughs> I love the the Angelica in New York, which is uh, on, on East Tarrison Street. I've seen a lot of art movies in, you know. Mm -hmm. I remember I just had happy memories of that cinema and the Alamo Draft House in Austin, in Texas, which, where we've had some incredible times with the Cornetto movies because they embrace those. You know, that's like the kind of nerd hub of the United States. And mm. Going there was like returning to the mothership. It was just sort of uh, amazing. They, they they even played spaced on, at that cinema they did a sort of like marathon of the show they were so kind of on our side it felt like we were you know i don't know it just was it was we've had some lovely times there so yeah and and, and in london the empire leicester square when it was big you know when it was the one big screen because i remember mm -hmm. traveling there to see back to the future part two 
1989. But then I've also had great experiences at the Odeon Leicester Square as well. There's lots yeah. of them around the world. One of the things I've been asking uh, people throughout this this series is just about the experience of watching your own movies with crowds. Yeah. And that must be incredibly intense and surreal. And I imagine this changed a lot over the years as well. So the, I imagine the experience of watching Sean for the first time with an audience is very different from, say, the experience of watching Mission Impossible Fallout with an audience. But is it or has yeah. it changed over the years for you? Yeah, because also because Sean was was all on us. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah. our baby. And, and so uh, Edgar and me and Naira and Nick, I think we all snuck into the uh, Odeon Camden on uh, on the night of its release and um, sat at the back and watched it with the audience. And that it was kind of nerve wracking and amazing and brilliant. And then when we took when we took Sean on tour in the US, we'd watch it in cinemas we did this huge tour and we we'd watch it in like a little cinema in Detroit and in Minneapolis and all these places. And it was so strange as was with hot fuzz as well. And with the world's end to a lesser extent, but particularly, uh, Shaun of the dead was to, to be in these little, you know, sort of, uh, cinemas in the U S and see crouch end. <laughs> it's like the last place you would ever expect to see the florist in crouch end is in, you know, Birmingham, Alabama. And, uh, it was um, it was great, and we'd always sneak in for uh, with with Hot Fuzz. We'd always uh, sorry with Sean. We'd always come in for the um, you know the final Winchester sequence with Hot mm -hmm. Fuzz. We'd always make sure we got back for Tim Dalton getting impaled, and then um, for for the World's End, we always got back for the final sort of um, showdown with the uh, with the with the uh, network and the the Cornetto rapper because we knew people <laughs> were waiting for that. So then. Obviously, you're popping out, uh, you're having dinner while this is going on, and you're hoping that the audience isn't doing the same thing, that you come back and there's an empty cinema and then everyone's just coming back in <laughs> gradually at the same time as you are. I hear there's a Cornetto rapper now. We should, we should, we should be here for that. <laughs> That's the terror. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and now with, with the likes of the Mission movies, what's that experience like for you? It's great. You know, it's weird. Sometimes it's, it's much nicer to watch a film films like that with um and I, this goes for all the films uh it's it's much nicer to watch them with a crowd with a paying audience rather than a premier audience premier audiences are, are, are strange animals you know because they're kind of they're all invited and it's a lot of industry and um you know what's supposed to be this night when it's like it's supposed to be the most amazing kind of screening it never is it always feels a little bit flat the americans always get really freaked out when they come over for british premieres particularly for comedies because they come out and they feel like it had gone badly because everyone was very polite and restrained but it's because they're they're not they're, they they haven't invested anything in it they've just come along because they want a, a night out and it's not really about the film it's about the event mm -hmm. so going to um see films publicly which i always try and do if i can you know like just let the cinema owner know i'm going to come and sneak in at the back and and um and watch it with a real crowd, with a crowd who would want to see the movie. Um, not suggesting the people at the premiere don't, but it's just a mm. different vibe. Yeah, I remember the screening of when we 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 showed Paul at uh, South by Southwest in Austin again, actually, and that that was an amazing night. That that film, it was a double bill of Paul and Bridesmaids. So by the end of the night, everybody was just you know wet panted. It was <laughs> uh, it was a good night. I like to wet myself before going to the cinema just to uh, <laughs> just to save time, basically. Yeah. <laughs> pre-wetted. Yeah, pre-wetted. Pre-fetted right, pre and pre-wetted. 
<laughs> yeah, precisely. Um, yeah, and uh, that, that kind of brings me on to my next question, which was about great cinema-going experiences, those moments when crowds go wild. You've talked there about a few of the, the key moments in the Cornetto trilogy movies, and you know, there, there must be moments, like Tim Messenger's death, for example, in Hot Fuzz. That must be a moment oh, that yeah. sends a crowd wild. It, it was. It's always fun to be in there with the, for those moments, and and I, I always like to be. You know, if I'm watching Hot Fuzz through with an audience, then I look forward to moments like that. To to, you know, um, particularly Tim Messenger's death, which is so violent, and in the World's End, the, the fights. You know, the bathroom fight and the beehive fight. You know, which I really, really love. I remember. I remember. I was in the. I was in the Cinerama Dome for the premiere of uh, of the World's End. And it was a really great night. It was a good premiere. There was loads of people there. And Dave Grohl was sat down about five <laughs> seats in front of me. He didn't know anything of what the film was about. And in the middle of the bathroom scene, when the guy's head comes out, when, when, I, when Gary tackles the guy and his head comes out, he turned around and looked at me and he went, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and then another great, another great memory related to The World's End is, is The World's End screening at Comic-Con. And Bill Paxton, bless his heart, he came to the screening and he was such a, such a, such a sweet man, really lovely. Yeah. And of course, we were so thrilled to meet him. And uh, we were sat, he sat next to me at the screening and, and there's a moment in it when um, all the way through he's going, oh man, oh man. Like he sounded like Hudson, right? And then, <laughs> uh, and then there's a bit of it when, um, when Andy says to Gary, "Oh, you uh, you got a scar on your finger because you tried to do that thing that you play you were playing the knife game from Aliens." Yes, and Phil sort of elbowed me. Went, "Oh man, <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> it was just amazing." He's such a cool guy. Oh man, that's extraordinary. Oh, I love that. I love that. And what about as a pure punter? Because you know, I I remember growing up and. You go to the cinema in Northern Ireland, in my case, and audiences are fairly well behaved and they're fairly polite and they're fairly genteel. And it wasn't until I saw a screening of The Fugitive when I went to Canada in 1993 and the train crash happened. And at the end of the train crash sequence, the entire audience erupted into applause that I realized that you can actually interact with a film in that way. And it, it transformed everything for me. Did you find that growing up as well, that audiences over here were reserved or, or, or were there moments that of, of grand audience acclaim and an eruption that, that stuck with you? Generally, I think we are, you know, and, and, and you, that's no more apparent than when you go over to the States, particularly in some of the sort of African-American cinemas where they're really vocal and they interact with the film. And it's such an amazing kind of event. It's so fun. There's, there's people just making comments and shouting to the screen. And it becomes much more of a sort of, uh, you know, interactive event. But I went to see Toy Story 2 opening night at Odeon Leicester Square with a bunch of friends. And it was such an uproarious screening. Everybody was so vocal and it was because it was so funny and delightful. And I remember coming out of, of the cinema and sort of s scratching my head and saying to my friend, I think that was the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> And it was because it was just because I was so high from the experience of it. Obviously, it is a brilliant experience. Yeah, uh, sorry, a brilliant film, but um, it just it was just elevated. One of the most amazing cinematic experiences I ever had was Jackass the movie, just because it elicited such an emotional response from everybody because it was at once disgusting and terrifying and hilarious, and the audience was so invested in it that it was. You know, for a film which is basically a kind of, you know, a, a big version of an MTV prank show, 
Mm. It was one of the most amazing cinematic experiences I ever had, just because everybody was so <laughs> blown away by all the horrific shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> There's something amazing though about comedies and horrors in particular. Yes, when they when they really grab hold of an audience. Um, Definitely. Which which brings me neatly on to, I want to get into some specifics now as well. So, I want to ask about the funniest film you've ever seen in a cinema. You can't say your own stuff. I wouldn't dare, um, <laughs> it, it, even though it is. Um, <laughs> I'm amused by myself immensely. Um, I'm, I'm trying to reach right back now as well, because I've ever seen so many things at the cinema and also things that I've seen screened at the cinema. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, oh man, I'd, have to, I'd really have to think about that. What was yours? It might inspire me. Uh, I think, honestly, Austin Powers. Oh, I do. Weirdly enough, I remember the, the, the ill-fated trip I made. I'm very, you know, anyone that knows me will know this, uh, to see The Phantom Menace in, uh, in New York. Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, was coming out that weekend as well. And I think in the morning, the morning after I saw The Phantom Menace as a palate cleanser, I went to the 10 o'clock showing of The Spy Who Shagged Me, and that really made me laugh. I remember being very, very amused by that film. I was, I was practically on my own in the cinema as well. It wasn't like a great big roaring audience. It was just me kind of, maybe I was crying. Yeah, I think I was crying. <laughs> yeah, um, when you said in the morning, I was going to ask how you were spelling morning. Yeah. Because. <laughs> yeah, in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you were, at the, you were at the perfect low ebb for Austin yeah. Powers to get you. And it did get me. And then that afternoon, I went to see The Matrix, and you know, and then and then that made me joyful as well. But in terms of comedies, I'm trying to think of uh, like comedians and, and and actors that I find funny. That, that I'm sure that I'll, you know. I mean, I know I didn't see that at the cinema. It's quite a difficult question to answer. It is. Actually, no, yeah. wait, to, wait yeah. to see what I got next. It's okay, going to go. fuck you up. Um, I'll just be thinking about this question. Yes, have a think about that one, see if you can answer this one whilst you're thinking about that one as well, which is Thanks, the Chris. scariest film you've ever seen in a cinema. Weirdly enough, that I, I think that might have been quite recently. I, I don't know about scariest, but I went to a film festival in Rutzwaff in Poland to, do, to, to, to show Lost Transmissions. Mm. And um, I saw the, the, the three-hour director's cut of Midsummer. It really disturbed me, and I, I went home and I, I went back to my hotel that night, and it, and I had a really un, a really restless sleep because it just stayed with me. Mm. I love Ariasta; I think he's amazing, and I, I I saw Hereditary at the cinema as well, and I that that as well. I think you know the the, the moment in that that shocks everybody. Just I, I was agape for like a minute, just mouth <laughs> open, like what? But, um, That's not meant to happen. Yeah, <laughs> where did that come hey, from? Hang on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, oddly enough, um, you know, for a grown man, and I don't get scared at horror movies, really. I don't, I don't find ghosts scary or anything like that. And cause I don't have any kind of belief that is being challenged by it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Doesn't unnerve me, but, but Midsummer unsettled me because of, because of the, I don't know, it was just beautifully rent, uh, beautifully executed, I think. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's fantastic, and also I think uh, you, know, you and I were roughly the same age, and uh, I think we probably grew up at a time when we watched all the classic horror films on video first on VHS. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I saw all my formative horror movies on around my friend Chris's house on 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 VHS tape. That's exactly right. 
Yeah. So it's uh yeah, I haven't I haven't had a, a huge degree or a huge amount of those terrifying cinema experiences, although I remember watching the exorcism of Emily Rose in a cinema and being so utterly freaked out. And I'm, I'm like you, I don't have a belief system that's necessarily being challenged by this, but there's always a creeping what if doubt at the back of my mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so stuff like that, The Omen and The Exorcist does get me. I remember going home and just not sleeping until about 4am because there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a plot motif in the film about how 3am is the, the devil's hour. And at 3am I had all right. my lights on and I was wide awake and I was, <laughs> I was, I was virtually performing some sort of ceremony to keep out the evil. It was, it was so bizarre. It's quite fun watching. I, I, I hesitate to sort of like applaud films that entirely operate via jump scares, but jump scares work with an audience because yeah. you all jump together. And I certainly, I actually got quite exhausted by it in the end, but when I went to see the new It Part One, there were enough jump scares in that to make it really fun, you know. And the uh, and a couple of moments as well. I remember the moment with the headless boy was was really quite chilling. Mm. But um, yeah, the, I, I, I think to scare people nowadays, now that we're beyond, I don't know. I know a lot of us aren't, but you know, we've matured as a species, and we're we're, we're a little bit even more beyond superstition than we were in the seventies and eighties now, and and it's hard to Touch be scared word, yeah. by, yeah. But um, so I think they, you know, the, the 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 tendency to make horror films more about jumps, you you can understand it because they're really trying to wring a response out of the audience. But I think truly clever horror filmmakers like Ari Aster, who I adore, mm. um, he knows how to just get into your bones and leave you just feeling uneasy and kind of. Mm. A bit sick. Yes. Ben Wheatley has the same effect. I remember when I saw Kill List for the first time and I came out, yeah. staggered out in the afternoon, and uh, I felt like a truck had just hit me. And he, he called yeah. it the Kill List stare, that it was apparently it was, it was something that pretty much everybody who saw that film experienced. It's a cruelty to it, you know, and I think yeah. if you, you feel that in a room full of people, it's quite a strange feeling. Uh, let's get personal here. Uh, do you remember the, the first date you had in the cinema? <laughs> what that film was? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it might have been like, it, might, it was probably something in the 80s. Uh, I, never, I never got into that sort of snogging in the cinema. It's, it's, for me, the cinema was a place to watch a film. It wasn't a place to kind of like, you know. Thank you. Snog. <laughs> I know it was dark. But, you know, your bedroom's dark. It's like, it, it, although I suppose, you know, there's the whole thing of the parents being at home. But I, I always found the cinema to be, a, if, I, if I paid to see a movie, I'm not going to waste my time kissing some girl. <laughs> Precisely. That is what I told um, many of the girls who were interested in me, because there were, there were loads of girls who were interested in me, all right? And that's, that's what I told them. That's what I told them. Uh, and uh, another neat segue from, from those experiences. <laughs> do you remember crying in the cinema? Have you, do you cry in the cinema easily? Oh, yeah. I, I, remember, I really remember crying at E.T. Because I, oh, yeah. uh, I was wearing my Parker, you know, the snorkel Parker, the Cartman, not Cartman, you know, Kenny one from South yeah. Park that goes right up over your face. And I went to see E.T. on my own when I was 12. And I was crying so fucking much, I put my hood up because I was embarrassed. <laughs> I, I literally kind of like just put my fur hood up around my head and zipped it up because I was just in floods. And, um, and then I took my little sister to see it. And I just watched her all the way through to see if she cried and she didn't cry. Tough as nails, that kid. <laughs> but, I, uh, but yeah, I do remember that. And I, and I remember crying at like Shadowlands. I remember crying at Saving oh, Private yeah. Ryan and Schindler's List. But yeah. weirdly enough, both those films 
I cried out afterwards. I remember watching Schindler's List. Odeon Leicester Square. Same crowd as I saw Toy Story 2 with. Mm. And I stood up afterwards and I tried to say, I can't believe that actually happened. And I just broke down into complete floods of tears. It was so visceral. And, mm. um, you know, the, 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 uh, having, pr- having endured what is ostensibly a two and a half hour scream of yeah. pain, yeah. you know, it, it really, I think I watched it just agog and then um, it all hit me afterwards. Yeah, it's an extraordinary film. Uh, yeah, I remember watching that in the cinema as well. I just want to finish off with two very, very quick, specific questions as well. So you're a big avid cinema goer. Do you snack in the cinema? And if so, what's your choice of snack? These days, I don't really. I take, I try and take a bottle of sparkling water in with me, like a little uh, Highland Spring or something, just to keep myself hydrated. But mainly because I'm just watching what I eat these days, because I've got to keep up with crews. <laughs> but I did like a salt. I did like a mix uh, of salty and sweet popcorn back okay. in the day. Were you a pick a mix guy? No, too much no. sugar. It okay. just drove me. Up. My miss, my daughter is. My wife is a. Whenever in in America, she's a junior mint fiend. She has to have them. It's like her thing when she goes to the cinema in America. I want Junior Mint. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm sort of sw- slightly more kind of just about water and arts now. <laughs> <laughs> no rustling. Water. Yeah. <laughs> water, art, no rustling. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and what's your favorite seat in the cinema? What, what do you gravitate towards naturally? Sort of center back middle. So I try and sit, I try and sit in the optimum sound position if I can. So yeah. I'm not too near the front. Not right in the middle rows, sort of A B C D E F G, sort of G H kind of probably. Um, okay. Not not too close to the back, some somewhere that's almost like bang center in the middle. So I'm right in the epicenter of the sound system, you know. So all the mm. speakers are pointing at my head if I can wrangle it. Yeah. Yeah. If I get to an IMAX and they've given me a seat way in the in the corner, I'll, I'll just I'll just skip it because it's not the same. It's not the same. No, I watched um, in. Uh, in the IMAX in the kind of sweet spot. And it was like, it, it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I've seen that. I probably just broke my, I didn't sign an NDA. Fuck you. Sadly I did. So I don't think I can. That's <laughs> <laughs> good, isn't it? <laughs> it's Fuck really hell fucking it good. Is, yeah. <laughs> I might just beep this whole section and <laughs> leave people guessing what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to go in a second, Simon, but uh, have you have you had a think about the funniest film or one of the funniest films you've ever seen in a cinema? Well, I would say probably Jackass because that that experience was so um, was so vocal and there was a lot of screaming and obviously laughter is essentially a fear response deep down. That's what it is. And um, and there was a lot of laughter just because it was the empire leicester square and it was full and those boys were doing the most insane un ill-advised things you could ask a person to do and <laughs> we were just enjoying it so oddly you know it was it was a kind of clip show rather than a straight out narrative movie yeah no I, you're absolutely right you're absolutely right i remember watching i can't wait for jackass forever uh it's gonna yeah. be it's going to be incredible. I just remember watching, I think it was Jackass 2 in the cinema. And with you know film journalists who are quite stuffed shirts, quite a lot of them, uh, yeah. naming no names, obviously. And stony silence from most critics. And then Bobbins here, just <laughs> laughing myself hoarse. Just roaring. Yeah, absolutely roaring. And, uh, and of course, you know, in a, in a weird way, 
Mission Impossible, Jackass, they're close cousins. You know, it's funny, actually. I remember um, I nearly gave Johnny Knoxville, I gave him an asthma attack because we were at CinemaCon and he was promoting his um, Fairground movie that he had out recently. Yeah. And we were promoting Fallout. And we were watching uh, the present the presentation for what was the what's the robot from Transformers who had his own movie? Uh, the, uh, Bumblebee. Bumblebee. Yeah. It was the it was the presentation from Bumblebee, and they were they, all the guys were up on stage up on stage in front of all the all the uh, the cinema the distributors. You know, it's like a big convention for the cinema industry. And uh, John Cena and uh, they they were talking really earnestly about Bumblebee, and and I just turned to Johnny and said, "It's a fucking car that turns into a robot, man." <laughs> <laughs> and then he lost it and then he but then he lost it so but i don't i don't know why he lost it quite as lo- as much as he did but he 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 almost died and i just remember thinking wow all the things that he's done all the crazy shit he's done and he almost just died laughing at me making a snidey comment about bumblebee oh my god oh my god that's amazing do you think that's gonna that's what's gonna happen in mission seven so that you know all the things that ethan's done and it's going to be Benji's going to make a joke to him at the uh, at the end, and he's going to have an asthma attack, and that's it. And he'll pass. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's you, uh, no spoilers, <laughs> but that's what's going to happen. <laughs> All right, excellent. <laughs> I look forward to it uh, next year. I guess in sometime next year. Uh, Who knows? Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Uh, Simon Pegg, it's been a pleasure as always. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. And that was Simon Pegg, and that is it for episode four of Celebration of Cinema in association with Meerkat Movies from Compare the Market. Hope you guys enjoyed it. In a shocking move, Mr. Pegg didn't have anything to plug, so I'm going to point you in the general direction of Spaced, the Cornetto trilogy, the Star Trek films, Run Fat Boy Run, and of course, the Mission movies. All good viewing. Mission 7 is out next year, provided that it's finished filming by then, of course, and keeping peeled also for the Undeclared War coming to TV next year. And speaking of keeping them peeled, Keep them peeled for the final two episodes of Celebration of Cinema. We're back next week with the penultimate episode, and I shall announce the identity of the guest in due course. Until we meet again, I'm off to hurl my headphones out of a window and see what happens. Oh no. They've shattered. Those were expensive. Oh. Oh well. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.